Welcome to Sense by Meg Fora, the podcast that's brought to you by ParentSense, the app that takes guesswork out of parenting. If you're a new parent, then you are in good company. Your host, Meg Fora, is a well-known OT, infant specialist, and the author of eight parenting books. Each week, we're going to spend time with new mums and dads, just like you, to chat about the week's wins, the challenges, and the questions of the moment. Subscribe to the podcast, download the ParentSense app, and catch Make Here every week to make the most of that first year of your little one's life. And now, meet your host. Welcome back, mums and dads. Um, it's always fabulous to have you here with me, joining me to chat about all things parenting. So each week we chat about the highs and the lows of parenting, and there are a lot of those, the challenges and also the absolute delights with our little ones. And this week we are joined, as we are many weeks, by Cassidy. And Cass is the mum, first time mum, although she feels like a seasoned mum now, of baby Max. Cass, welcome. How old is Max this week? Nine months on the 27th, so he's 40 weeks this oh, week. Oh my goodness. So he's been yeah. outside of outside of you for as long as he was inside of you. Yes, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's funny. It felt like quite a momentous when you turned nine months, it felt quite mm. sort of momentous for that exact reason. It's amazing. Really amazing. So how are things going? How is our little nine-month-old? She's good. He's got another tooth coming. How many does yeah. he have now? That his seventh has just broken oh, through. Oh, my word. Seven teeth at nine months. I know. I know. It's, and I, I do I feel so sad for him, even though, I mean, I'm sort of hoping that Maybe they're all coming through in a rush, so he'll have it over and done with. I don't, I don't yeah. know. Well, but... there are only so many teeth, so if they come out early, <laughs> then they're not going to be too many more. Exactly. He's got all those four front top teeth, his two bottom teeth, and now the two either side of those central okay. um, bottom teeth are coming through. So one's already broken through. And it does seem sort of a couple of days after they've broken through, that's when he has the toughest time. But mm. this time he has really bad nappy rash which he hasn't had before and it's heartbreaking but he's just pooing all the time and I'm not sure because I've read contradicting information that that is related to teething and that it's not so I didn't know is is that a teething thing or is it something yeah I mean in my experience, it absolutely is that, you know, when they teeth and particularly, you know, I was going to say to you that those two outside bottom teeth are, you know, the sharp teeth, they're the teeth that come through and they really do create havoc. Mm. And the reason for the smelly poos and the, and the burny bum is that they produce, babies produce a huge amount of mucus and, and saliva while they're teething, you know, and that's why he's probably a little bit more drooly than usual. Mm. Um, and especially as he gnaws on his hand and they often get a little rash around their mouth, which has got nothing to do with food. It's just got to do with the fact that they've got so much liquid around their mouth. But if they don't get that, whether or not they get that, all of that mucus and saliva passes down through the alimentary canal and it does create a burny bum. And it creates that really horrible acrid smelling poo as well, which is which is kind of that hallmark mark feature of, of um, teething, teething nappies really. So yes, I would say that that is very possible. Yeah, because he actually had a period. I mean, I don't want to say it's over because I, I feel like at the moment, every time I say something's going well, that night <laughs> changes. So I'm just yes. actually, I promise myself I'm not going to say anything anymore. But he had a few nights, could easily have a few more nights <laughs> caveating everything, where he was actually pooing in the middle of the night and it was waking him up. And mm. it was causing a bit of a problem because he'd wake up 
but not really be awake. Mm. But he'd had a dirty nappy, so I had to change his nappy and that then woke him up and he didn't want to be mm. awake. And so that's been, a, it's been a challenge because he's not actually, doesn't seem to be waking up because of the teething specifically. Mm. Mm. But yeah, so that we do see, oh, I just don't want to say it, but we do seem to be back to sleeping through the night. But I said, it could every all time I've said that out loud, <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, that yeah. does seem a bit better. But it's just, it's heartbreaking because he's a, he's actually quite a bubbly. It doesn't seem to bother. We haven't really had to give him much cowpaw. But then you just, when you're changing his nappy. I feel as a mum, mm. like, oh God, what mm. can I do? This poor little yes. boy. So are you using Sudocrem for that? So we were using Sudocrem and then we've been recommended by a couple of people and I actually can't remember the name of it, but it's a nappy rash specific. It's like a yellow cream that they have here and midwives and NCT and mm. other mums have recommended it to us. And it does, I think it's maybe a bit more heavy duty mm. than the Sudocrem mm. for when it is a really bad yeah. rash. Well, that's great. Yeah, they, there's also one I know we used a lot in South Africa called Antipial Cream. Okay. It's a very good. Yeah, so there's a variety of different ones. I mean, it is just you, you just have to deal with it and work with it. Yeah, what's quite interesting is I mean, you've pointed out something quite interesting that he's not actually waking for the teething necessarily, but maybe for the nappy. You know, and I think that's often you know p- parents. I mean, I've always said teething gets such a bad rap. You know, everybody blames every night waking on teething. You know, if a baby's waking up from six weeks old, people say, well, must be teething. You know, yeah. or 17 weeks when they're going through a sleep progression and find their hands and annoying on their hands, parents say it's teething. And actually we know that teething really only happens at around and after six months of age. But it's that kind of, it's, it's the sub stuff that comes with, you know, the teething that actually wakes him up. And so that would be the, that would make sense that his nappy is, you know, is, is waking because his bum's sore. Yeah, well, it's actually even more, it's been that he was doing a poo in the middle of the night, which obviously he hasn't done for a really long time. But because he seems to be having a worse stomach or just pooing more regularly all the time. But it kind of also, <laughs> kind of also leads me on to something that he eats a huge amount. I mean, mm-hmm. I can't, he, it, it, he, but he will stop eating if he's full, but it mm-hmm. takes, seems to take a huge amount. And I know portion sizes, there's no real portion sizes for babies or anything like that because, and I understand all the reasons behind that, but sometimes I do worry that I may be overfeeding him because he'll maybe, if he's very active after a meal, when I will have sat there through the meal being like, blow neck, I can't believe you're still eating, what's going on? But sometimes if he's really active afterwards, he'll do a little von, but like it's like a now adult sick. It's horrible. I, I'd mm. rather change a nappy than deal with his little vons nowadays. Mm. And I sometimes worry, is that like overfill <laughs> yeah. that's just coming out? And is he purring as much as he is because actually he's eating too much food? How do I know if I should go and make some more because he's still wanting to eat or actually know you've had enough, even though you could keep eating, you've had a sufficient portion? Yeah, it's a very interesting question. So yes, lots of poos and the little kind of vomiting or, or little oopsies can indicate overfeeding. 
However, I really believe in intuitive eating for babies of this age, you know, and it's one of the principles we talk about quite a bit in, in weaning sense. We divide up the responsibilities and we say, you take the what, where, and when, and he takes the how much. What's very important about the what, where, and when though, in terms of overfeeding is first of all, the what is critical. So you need to steer clear of your highly processed carbohydrates, your sugars, and you could even pull back a little bit on the, well, certainly no fruit juice, but pureed fruit, you know, so rather give him whole fruit that he can actually chew on rather than pureed fruit if you are worried about him eating too much. So that's the what. And the other thing of the what is you've really got to watch how much milk he takes. So his milk intake at this age should have dropped quite dramatically. He should only be having three feeds in 24 hours and he doesn't need more than that. And I think that's where your risk of you know, overfeeding comes more than from the solids. So, so that's the what. The way obviously doesn't pertain to overeating unless you're chasing him around the house and kind of following him around to get food into his mouth, which you're not. And then the when is critically important because he needs those five meal outings or those five meal opportunities in a day. So three meals and two snacks and then the three milks. And if you're sticking to that and you're watching that, you know, that the food is whole food, the food is wholesome, that they aren't highly processed carbohydrates, then I think you can let go completely and let him take over the how much. What's going to be interesting, Cass, and let's see how much longer this lasts, is that he is likely at some point to become a little bit more picky with his eating. And then you're going to look back on this podcast and go, oh my gosh, I was should have been so grateful at the time. And it's so interesting because I have heard Kath McGaw, who's the, she's the pediatric dietitian who is on the advisory board of the app. And she actually does all of our weaning courses on the app. So she does the weaning and the picky eating course. So if moms are looking for input on feeding, Kath has got amazing courses in the app. But she often talks about how these babies, how babies cycle in terms of their weight gain as well. And so you get these big kind of periods of weight gain, which you might be doing at the moment. And then they kind of tend to go into fresh air and love and their weight gain plateaus. And it's, it needs to be seen over a much longer context. And when you're looking at weight gain over a longer context, there's very little to worry about. And so my advice right now is to make hay while well, the sun shines, just you know, let him eat as long as it's wholesome food, let him eat as much as he wants. I know Max have seen him. He's certainly not an obese baby. He's a robust baby um, and he's yes. tall and he, you know, he's, he's big, but he's not fat at all, you know? And so I think that's, I think that's important. You know, it's very rare that babies' appetites can't be managed by them. And that's when you have something like Prada Willy, which is a syndrome, which he absolutely doesn't have because that gets diagnosed at birth. And that is a syndrome where they don't have an off switch for appetite and he doesn't have that. So my advice would be to let him go with the flow and to just enjoy it and to there will be 100 percent. there will be a time in the next couple of years where you will be in tears with how little he's uh. eating you'll be as frustrated as anything and you know very interesting kath did a talk very recently where she spoke and on picky eating and she was talking about in fact it was a recent podcast which which people will be able to listen to where she spoke about the fact that the bitter taste buds come on only towards, or they only develop towards a year. And when those bitter taste buds come on, all the food that he's been thinking is utterly yummy, like the broccoli, for instance, suddenly doesn't taste so yummy anymore because the bitter taste buds have come about mm. and, and have developed. And then he's suddenly going to start to reject the green veggies. And that's absolutely common. It's so typical. And then, of course, he'll hit 14 at some point in his life and he'll eat you out of house and home and you'll yeah. wonder <laughs> you know, where that picky eater went. So uh, my advice is to enjoy the cycle and definitely not to limit his food at this stage. Yeah, because I am... Um... I mean, I've been through that already where literally in, the, on, in tears because he's not eating. And mm. I was also actually speaking 
to somebody who's just about to start the weaning journey and but they're having a bit of trouble at it almost is at the same time that I did with the milk intake and mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And I said, you know, I, I'm not saying this because I know what I'm doing, just through coming through the other side and now having a baby that won't stop eating mm-hmm. is all kind of okay. But I've now got the opposite problem only because I just, he will eat everything I prepared for his meal. And that, that is already a really big portion, plus a pudding, plus some handheld like sticks of broccoli and cauliflower. So, you know, he's had to say four ice cubes worth of a, of a meal, plus a stick of something, plus two ice cubes worth of a yogurt thing that I've made. It seems quite a lot when you look in the bowl, but he'll finish all of that. Mm-hmm. And what I don't really know, shall I go and try and hunt and find some more food to feed him because he still wanted to eat? Or is that the meal I've prepared and he's done and that's fine. He's not crying for more food. Yeah. Just my would eat it would, if it was there. Yeah, my suggestion would be to make it up front a little bit more. So, you know, going and hunting and starting to find something different is not necessarily the best idea. But actually just if, if he's consistently eating four ice cubes of food, make five tomorrow yeah. and then offer him five. Yeah. And, and I do keep upping it and it just keeps, in the she keeps eating it. Yeah, no, that's fine. And that's absolutely fine. The one thing that you could drop if you wanted to, and, you know, I presume you're doing the fruit after the savory meal, because that's usually the way that we would do uh, it, the way around we would do it. You could drop the fruit part if you wanted to, but, you know, there's no reason to, and, and fruit is wonderful and gives him other nutrients. So I would say the way you're doing it is fine. I would actually up the quantity a little bit. Okay. Gosh. <laughs> the other thing that concerns me is Alex actually has never felt full in his life. So I am a bit worried that Matt has this gene. But Alex has also never been fat in his life. No, no. So, so it's, I think you know, he would be if he didn't say, I should limited, stop yeah. now. <laughs> look, if, look, and I think that's, look, you bring up an important thing because the principle is exactly as I've said, but there are the circumstances where things, you know, can get out of hand and you might gain too much weight, which is highly unusual. But in those circumstances, you would pick it up on a, on a scale. Mm-hmm. So my advice is to, is to follow his lead mm-hmm. on the mount and at his next weigh-in, have a look at what he's doing. You know, as long as his height and his weight are in the same proportion, so he's like in the 95th, because he probably is in the 95th, knowing him, percentile he, he, you know, for both, that's absolutely fine. As soon as the weight becomes, you know, really excessive compared to the height, then you would potentially be a little worried. But, you know, he's also very active, Cass. I was he's, just going to say, he's crawling he's and like a champion now. Yeah, he really is. And I think he would be doing more. We've kind of tried to pull back a little bit on him getting to the walking stage. Mm -hmm. So he was pushing things and we've tried to not encourage that too much so that he really keeps going with that crawling Mm -hmm. a little bit longer. And And how's that going? Is, Is he crawling like a speed monster? Yeah. And actually, now that he is so comfortable with crawling, I noticed last night we were playing a game where he was in his cot and I'd go from one end of the cot and do sort of peek through and then I'd appear at the other end and do peek a bit. And before he would have sort of walked his way holding onto the side of the cot, but mm. he now I think has worked out I can be much faster if I crawl. That's brilliant. <laughs> so he's dropping down to his bum yeah. and then crawling and then pulling himself up again. Which is absolutely brilliant. This episode is brought to us by ParentSense the all-in-one baby and parenting app that help you make the most of your baby's first year. Don't you wish someone would just tell you everything you need to know about caring for your baby? When to feed them, how to wean them, and why they won't sleep? 
ParentSense app is like having a baby expert on your phone guiding you to parent with confidence. Get a flexible routine, daily tips and advice personalized for you and your little one. Download ParentSense app now from your app store and take the guesswork out of parenting. So I want to point something out that's actually happened. So in the early days of crawling, and this is really a, a lesson for mums, in, in the early days of crawling, Max did crawl early. He, he crawled, you know, a little earlier than most babies do, but very soon afterwards, only two weeks afterwards, started cruising and moving along furniture, which mums and dads, if you're interested in hearing that piece of the journey, you can listen to last time's podcast with Cass. And he was really liking to cruise. And then actually, you know, if you'd encouraged walking and cruising, which a lot of parents do, because a lot of us think, oh, we want to get them off the floor because it's much nicer to have them walking. It's cleaner it's you know for a million reasons but if you'd encouraged the walking he would have let go of and lost interest in the crawling but by being intentional with it and just not encouraging the walking too much you've now actually got him crawling really fast and that is in terms of his coordination long term is gold it's absolute gold the things that he learns when he's crawling are worth so much more than what he learns when he's walking so yeah so that's a good one yeah no he's very tough but i am trying so hard and I guess it is just repetition 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 but the turning around when there are the steps is it just a case of repetition, repetition, repetition. or is there something really clever there that I can do? No. To, you know, There's nothing really clever. You need to sit on the stairs. Diving. I mean, the best thing that you can do, and I can remember we did it for months and months because we had we had a, you know steps in our home for both of our first two children. In fact, even for our third child as well, is to just plunk yourself on the stairs when somebody is nearby you just chatting and just be there for them to practice and practice. And that's really how little ones wire it down, you know, is just through the practice. So keep turning them around around and he'll get it very quickly. And then of course, having gates on the stairs when you're not prepared to just sit on them, which I presume you have got. Yeah. Well, actually we're currently in rented accommodation. So our landlord's got to put them in, but we've had that conversation. Was it Max's, I feel so strong. The ones that just go against the wall, I can Mm -hmm. see him rattling them down. So we're getting the ones that screw into the wall. Okay. And your landlord's happy to do that. That's lucky. Yeah, hoping okay. he doesn't bring down the whole house instead. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, no, and he, he is loving, I think he loves the independence that crawling has given him. And mm-hmm. actually I've noticed in the last week and whether this is related to that general sort of loving of independence, his babbling, which I have mentioned a few times mm-hmm. with a concern that seemed to be taking a really long time. And he just made these kind of pigeon noises for months and months. But now he's having full-on conversations. I'm sure I've heard various words coming out. Like, yeah. That, that, that really, dad does. I think he's fluent in Norwegian, actually, or something. <laughs> <laughs> it really does sound similar to Scandinavian. But that has been a, quite a relief, but really enjoyable as well to hear mm-hmm. him babbling away. Mm-hmm. But it was since we went to my parents, I wondered that they've got dogs does having animals around increase babbling or is that just something that I've created in my head? No, that is something you've created in your head. But having animals around has a lot of other benefits. One in particular is around allergies, actually. So okay. being exposed to animals early on in infancy actually decreases allergies. It doesn't increase it because of the exposure. So, And then, of course, it's, it's just so wonderful, the relationships that they have with it, particularly if they're good-natured dogs, which is obviously very, very important that you've got good-natured dogs around little ones. Yeah, no, definitely. They're becoming the absolute best of friends. So that's been lovely. But one of the things I was also wondering with regards to play and things like that, and 
looking at some of the recommended activities on the app and things like that, there are lots of things about packing away or doing certain things with toys. Everything just goes into Max's mouth. We haven't, mm-hmm. he hasn't got to the stage yet where he seems to be playing with a toy and the popularity of that toy tends to be more how it feels in his mouth. Will that just happen in time or should I be encouraging him to play and not put things in? But how, how does that work? Because I'm not sure if yeah. that's correct. <laughs> yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, I mean, he's, he's exploring with his mouth, which is where he's got more sensory receptors than anywhere else in his body. So that's absolutely fine. There are a couple of things you should be looking out for. Is he transferring objects between his two hands? So if he's yes, I think himself. he is. I, I'd have to pay more attention, but I think so. Yeah, and pretty and sure he, he does. Is in he the releasing bar. things? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So quite a nice thing is is to give him to to play with blocks. To give him a block in one hand. To give him a block in the other hand, and then present him with a toy in the middle. And then mm-hmm. he's going to have to work out. He's either got to transfer one block to the other hand, or drop one block and release. And it's that type of coordination that would be a really good idea. And then having lots of activities of posting things in and out and he is going to get there don't worry where you put something in the box and he has to add one in and add one in and that he'll get there so actually playing those games with him would be very very beneficial at this time so definitely have activities that he has to use two hands with or that he, he actually starts to post big things into boxes yeah because at the moment if i did give him anything to put in a box it would just go and then if i try and take it put it in it will have a meltdown so then you don't give it to him, put, put the box in front of him, put the object in, inside of the box, and then he will reach and take it out. And then, so instead of giving it into his hand, pop it in the box, so he starts to take it out. And then slowly but surely, he'll work out that he can actually put something back in there as well. And it's the same with last time. Any toys, like his boats, his watering can, goes that to his all mouth. just goes straight mm-hmm. into his mouth. Yeah. No, that's very normal and very typical. I wouldn't worry about that at all. Yeah, they're just doing lots of exploration. They also they also tend to, aside from learning with their mouth, they self-regulate you using their mouth. And, you know, my firstborn was a very, very oral child. I mean, everything went into his mouth, not just in the first year of life, but beyond that as well, you know, kind of he really did have everything in his mouth. Some quite nice activities for that is one is to get him an electric toothbrush because an electric toothbrush gives him great stimulation inside of his mouth and actually let him hold onto it and put the end in his mouth. And that gives him lots and lots of stimulation in the oral area. So, I mean, that, that's one of the activities we used to do with James, which he absolutely loved. So it's interesting you bring up the toothbrush. Yes. <laughs> because we're not actually allowed to brush his teeth now. He has to hold the toothbrush and do it, but he's not obviously brushing his teeth. Yes. He's good, but he's not that good. But he won't let us. So we've tried mm-hmm. having two brushes, both of it. So he has one and we have one mm-hmm. and try and quickly mm-hmm. get in there whenever we can. We've tried all sorts of things, but my concern is he's not getting a proper brushing mm-hmm. of those teeth. And mm-hmm. um, maybe once in a blue moon, he might let me in for two seconds and mm. I can give a quick, mm. but I, you know, is there a trick to brushing a baby's teeth? Yeah. So you're doing all the right stuff, but there is another little trick. So take a flannel, a, a, a toweling face cloth, and pop a little bit of toothpaste on that and just get that, mm. let that go into your, into his mouth with just, just wipe off his teeth with that with a little bit of toothpaste on. And that's quite a nice way to just quickly clean their teeth. So you just kind of wear it like cross cross with the, with the, flannel over your finger and that sometimes works better than a toothbrush because they often won't let actual devices in their mouth unless they're controlling them. Yeah. I mean, I figured because he's sort of 
biting on the tree's branch. He's I getting maybe something from it. Maybe yeah. something's happening. No, but. he will. He, he's getting something from it. And I wouldn't panic too much. You know, I think, I mean, your principles should be don't feed him milk in the middle of the night excessively, which, you know, which, which can lead to tooth cavities. Don't give processed sugars, which you don't do. And then if you can, just get in there with a little flannel with some toothpaste on it and then otherwise let him control it. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. And then, yeah, so that's kind of been, that's my list of questions, but he had his first <laughs> ever kid's birthday party that he went to this week, which was really sweet. That's so sweet. One yeah. of his little friends. And and what did they do for snacks? I'm always interested at the first birthday party. So it was interesting. So it was a two-year-old's ah. birthday party. Mm-hmm. So we actually hadn't planned for Max to eat there. As they all sat down to eat, we thought, okay, we'll take Max home now and he can have his supper at home. But I was quite impressed to see what I did see coming out was actually plates of, sort of crudite, like cut up cucumber, pepper, um, mm. plates of fruit, watermelon mm. and that sort of thing. I didn't see anything else, but I was quite pleased to see that, you know, because those are things that mm. we give Max anyway, as yeah. his handheld food. So that was quite exciting to see that actually places that were hosting birthday party were bringing yeah. out the good, healthy, healthy food. food. Yeah. So a couple of tips around that with birthday parties. The first thing is on the way to the birthday party or just before you go, like give him a nice big bowl of strawberries or, or fruit, you know, and just really get him nice and full before you go so that he's not actually hungry when he gets there. So that, I mean, that's the first thing because you can't control. And, you know, this is one of the hard parts of being a mum. is like, you have these gold standards around your baby, not eating processed sugar. And then you arrive at a birthday party and there's sweets all over the table and there's cakes and cupcakes and flings and, you know, and all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. So you do want to try and make sure that they're full before they get there. And then if you're throwing a birthday party like that mum did, bring out the savory foods and the other foods first so that you you don't have all of those sugary sweets coming through. And then the other thing about birthday parties, which always freaks me out, is the choking risk. Um, mm-hmm. And actually, I mean, I spoke about this on a podcast with Sammy Davis. Sammy's a nurse who actually runs the Get Confidence with Choking course inside our app. I don't know, have you done it yet, Cass? I haven't done, mm-hmm. I've done a choking course before mm-hmm. Max was born. I That's did true. a... Um, that I, in fact, I got everybody in the family to sit and do Good, yeah. infant first aid and choking yeah, calls. Yeah. No, it's so important. And there is one inside the app. So if anybody's interested, do go and look it up. It's called Get Confident with Choking. But in there, one of the fascinating things that Sammy talks about is just the type of foods that are risky, including popcorn, which you would never say, obviously your boiled sweets, but your number one risk at a birthday party, which a lot of people don't know, is a marshmallow. I actually had a choking incident with my eldest at a birthday party on a marshmallow and he really, really nearly died. I mean, we were very lucky that somebody who was had actually was a medic was there and really knew how to dislodge this ever increasing in size because that's the problem with marshmallows is as they take in liquid they swell and so to get them out of the Heimlich maneuver is almost impossible it's not like a hard sweet which can pop out so it's just kind of watching those type of things at birthday parties and watching for the choking risk as well so it's more than just the sugar and then of course there's the overstimulation which comes with birthday parties which often we kind of overstay our welcome and I don't mean the welcome from the hosts but the welcome from our baby so instead of having like a 45 minute playtime, he kind of maybe ended it, which is approximately appropriate for his age now. You know, we, we always say it's about one year per age of the child's life 
that they can actually deal with a social interaction. So if he's one years old, it's about an hour that he can interact with a friend and, and be happily interacting before he has a meltdown. If he's two, it's two hours. So at about nine months, he's probably doing about 45 minutes. And you know, very often by the time they reach the end of that 45 minutes, they are overtired, overstimulated, oversugared. And no, no. that's when the meltdown happens. When you pop them back in the car seat, they kind of arch their back and scream and the tantrums happen. So yeah, um, luckily, I think because it was that little bit older, they, they weren't really playing with him so much. There yeah. were a couple of other babies yeah. there, but who he, he knows, but he coped quite well. But one thing I had hoped is that on the way home, he would have a little power nap. <laughs> there was he none didn't. of that. So he probably was a bit overstimulated, yeah. which is why he didn't have that little power nap. So did but, you just put him to sleep early that night? Yeah. And we have really been having to do that most nights because mm. he just isn't interested in that afternoon mm. sleep. He's nine months old. So this yeah. is your classic cusp age where they drop from three sleeps to two sleeps. So is he consistently on two sleeps now? Pretty much. Yeah. He is today, hopefully he's, he's with the nanny today. They've had a wonderful day at the zoo, but he woke up a bit early from his lunchtime sleep. So he really should get that afternoon sleep in. Which he probably will when she's driving home. She'll, he'll get that 15 minutes in. Exactly. Hopefully. She's mm. planning to time it so that she is driving when mm. that's due. Perfect. But the other days, yeah, we haven't had it. So he'd been going up and kind mm. of getting into bed at about six o'clock, mm-hmm. which has actually been just over three and a half hours in mm. the afternoon. That's perfect. Yeah. And he's been, he's been fine. We did have, a, in fact, this week, he did have a night where he had to sleep he ended up sleeping in our bed because I've actually never heard him like that before, but he was just really sad in the middle mm-hmm. of the night. It was oh, quite heartbreaking. Usually he's sort of, you know, get me my milk <laughs> or something. Yeah. But he just was lying there cuddling his cuddly toy, just whimpering Aww. and sort of every now and again, just sort of an actual, I'm just really mm-hmm. sad cry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, um, and he just, it, it wasn't even separate. I mean, it was in that he just wanted to hold my hand, but it mm. wasn't like he would scream when I'd walk away. He just mm. sounded a bit sort of sad. Mm. And I couldn't, I just, I was so tired. <laughs> so he ended <laughs> up um, coming mm. into our bed and I was a bit worried, but he's gone back into his mm. room absolutely fine. And it was quite nice in the morning because we both were facing away from him. And then we just got this little stroke on our back. Aww. And as we turned around, there was just this face grinning at us. Aww, <laughs> so, little one. Very um, precious. But yeah, it's not a habit yeah. we plan on getting yeah. into. And he, as I say, he luckily does seem to, I was a bit worried he'd wake up in the middle of the night the next night and think, I come back. <laughs> <laughs> no, but one night won't do it. But you do have to watch it, obviously. But yeah. it, one night won't do it. No. Yeah. Good, Cass. Well, it's been an interesting month, my word. Um, yeah. It's been lovely catching up and hearing about his advancements and how he's cruising, but now actually crawling more than cruising, which is fabulous. So yeah, I'm excited to hear your news next month. Thank you very much, Meg. Thanks Excellent, you. Cass. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thanks to everyone who joined us. We will see you the same time next week. Until then, download ParentSense app and take the guesswork out of parenting.